ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you back to another exciting edition. Uh, we are going down the rabbit hole of Wild Wild Country, uh, this series. Uh, it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. And there's five episodes. There's five total episodes. We are on number three this time. But first, we must do our disclaimer. We are just normal standard people. We do not hold degrees in anything as far as religious based. We're just going off personal opinion and observation. There, I'm done. Okay. Okay, so right. let's get to so it. Before, well, before we get into it, what do you think about episode three? Just kind of like how did it make you feel? Well, how did it make me feel? It was actually very uh, eye-opening. Okay. You can see now as we are going to be going along why there was such a division between the ranchers and then it blossomed out to the people of Oregon versus the Roshnishis. Yes. Okay. Alrighty. So are you ready to get into it? Yes. Let's get into it. Okay, so of course he, uh, it pans open when it uh, when it begins. It pans open to them uh, on their knees praying, the thankfulness of the land. Yes. And uh, it looks it very peaceful. It does look very peaceful. But if you kind of gauge over to the right of that screen, you notice that there's targets, targets, shooting targets. They're at the target range, so that kind of gives it a nice little creepy vibe. And that's uh, after watching it multiple times, I realized that this last time I watched was like. Oh my gosh, they're at the target range. I thought they were just like, you know, in a nice in a little field. but no. Right, and Shanti B was the one Shanti B was pretty the one much was leading the prayer, yeah, right? Yeah, she was, right? And then once that happens up, uh, sunshine, sunshine comes out. And she was the public relations She's the public person. relations one. Uh, she, who's always, she always has that positive vibe. She's got a lot of energy. Where she starts off and her phrase was, no, we're not going to be victims, you're going to come at us with big artillery we will play your game it was unsettling uh, to a lot of us but it was also brought a sense of security in some bizarre way generally they were peace peaceful people they didn't have any weapons they they that wasn't their goal no it was not their goal no uh but they, this is after they felt the bombing, the at, bombing the hotel, at the hotel in, in portland. portland that's correct and that's where they you know, this this where it kind of took to down this this path, right? And so they show scenes of the arsenal that they the, were building up. Yeah, they there's a there was a lot of weapons. I mean, what kind of weapons? You know what? I didn't even do my uh, homework on. Well, that. let's just from visual. They had semi-automatic. A lot, a lot of assault rifles. Okay. A lot of assault rifles, smoke grenades, okay. some submachine guns, and of course pistols. And, of course, I know there's a few hunting rifles as okay. well. Okay, so that's the kind of weaponry that they were gathering up. Yeah, they were gathering up, and it was quite a few. And, of course, they do show them doing their training, that they were in military stance, laying on the ground. Yeah, that's interesting to note that one of the Roshnishis, or more than one, was probably in the military before. It's a possibility, yeah. And they were able to train them, or I don't think they, they didn't talk about it, so it's it's a wonder how they got that training, whether they were from the Roshnishis themselves or they actually paid people to come and train them. Well, it's a possibility they probably paid. I mean, yeah, they had a lot of money. Neither one would not surprise me. Okay. Neither one would not surprise me. And then, of course, after they show the scenes of their arsenal, they they well, before we go any further, I, I we talked about this earlier. Was that why my my first inclination was why are they showing this? Oh, okay, so the Roshnishis are actually show, filming this. Yeah. I'm wondering if they did show it or if that was just for their own records and later on this was confiscated. But let's assume that they were showing this. Look, look, this is what we're doing. Yeah, I, I just made no sense to me. But... Well, uh, it makes sense to me. Why? In the fact that Sheila is, you know, the one spearheading it yeah. and saying, look... We crash. are ready for action. Don't mess with us. Yeah, I get it. It's a scare tactic. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because for me, I'm like, if you don't want to, you know, anyway, it's just showing your cards. Anyway, but then, yeah, they started going on the the, the defense uh, in regards to this. And then Sheila, she did say this, and it's a quote, I didn't have a gun here until they bombed our hotel. I didn't even have a single weapon here. I don't believe in turning the other cheek, which tells right, the, back onto the ending of our... Right, the, the, the turning of the yeah, other Jesus cheek. Jesus turned the other cheek, and Bhagwan told me take pick both their cheeks. Correct. So, yeah, so go ahead and continue on, and then it shows uh, where Sheila does mention that when we showed them how good our training we were, that the locals were shocked. 
So Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because one thing about Sheila is that she never anticipates what those those people in Oregon or even closer into Wasco County, right. you know, right now, how they would react. I right. mean, they she totally doesn't put the hat on the other side and say, okay, they were shocked. Okay, well, what, are they just going to be shocked and sit there and cry? I mean, I don't understand why she never had another, she never saw the other side of the coin. No, she was just laser focused on on preservation and protection of the commune, which okay. I understand because they did a lot of work in respect to that. Um, Ishanti B. Shook shows up and, you know, she was saying that the people of Oregon knew that we were, were armed and that we could use our weapons well and that we were prepared to use those weapons if push came to shove. So they were just getting ready for, for just any type of attack and they were ready to go down fighting. Then also, then it does trans- transition over to uh, the town being renamed uh, from Antelope to Rajneesh. So this is where we're getting into that phase where you see the Rajneesh starting to take over the town because at this time they couldn't uh, set the ranch into a town at the Right, time. they so wanted the ranch to become Rajneesh Puram. That's correct. And it wasn't able to because of the land use and there was some kind of the correct. Thousand Friends of Oregon had prevented that. That's so <clears throat> they went ahead and said, okay, we'll take antelope right. and we're going to do it legally. Do it legally. Yeah, do okay. it legally. So Now the, also the, the one thing though, in our last one, our last episode, mm-hmm. uh, did we talk about that they, how they, how they won the town? Yes, yes we, did. we already did. So, so in, in just a small review is they uh, had a vote. They were going to kill the municipality, and because the Roshnishis had moved in and they were residents there, they outnumbered them, and it stayed a town. Yes, they outnumbered the locals. Right. That is correct. Okay. So yeah, so what they did was they renamed the town from Antelope to Rajneesh. According to the uh, reports, they called it Antelope woke up to a red dawn. Yeah, and that's interesting. I like that phrasing. Antelope woke up to a red dawn. Okay, well, nowadays most people don't realize that, but there was a movie called Red Dawn in the early 80s. Yeah. And there wasn't really anything about the Rosh Nishas or anything, but it was something that... The uh, stories are similar. Yes. Towards a small mountain town. The Russians in the the Cubans land. Yes, the, the ori- in the movie, the original movie, not the remake that they did, which was okay. Korea. And of course, because this here is in the olden, you know, this was in the eighties during the same time when Red Dawn. So that was came sort out. of a play on words. It was a very big play on words. Okay, go not ahead. Not to mention the red clothes that they always always wore. Also, of course, of course. So what they did was uh, they changed the the street names. They took over the city council of Antelope uh, via election. Now, there is this one gentleman by the name of Don Smith who always was constantly fighting these guys. He ends up talking to uh, our man, good John Silvertooth, the man in the overalls. Very soft-spoken, very... Uh, He's jovial, I think. He's pretty... He he seems, you know, to have a steady kind of personality. Yeah, he brings the calm to the room, the calm to the chaos. I feel, I feel, that's just my feeling. He's got that kind face. Don Smith uh, addressed him and said, hey, you know... You know, why don't you put your name on the ballot? Yeah, can we put your name on the ballot because nobody else wants to do it, and we know that you won't win. Do you want to just basically be put on the ballot to get your get your uh, butt kicked? Yeah, pretty much. He said, "Okay, fine." Okay, fine. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the but the Rajnis didn't want to uh, make it look like that they completely took over the town, so they took uh, three Rajnish on the council and two of the locals. Now the locals. There was Mr. Silvertooth and another guy, gentleman, but after like two days, he pretty much cut and run. Yeah, so he, he didn't want to be John by himself. Yes, he did. Of course, John was like, "That's fine, I don't care," you know. You know, I he's he what did he say it was? I found it was easier just to you know to being be, nice. Be nice. I get you know more I got information. Than being nice than instead of being aggressive. So. And he also said it's kind of that you know you keep your enemies close. close. Yeah, keep your enemies close. During we were talking about you know, that, then the, he kind of goes on a rant, including uh, the uh, uh, what's the couple's last name again? McVie? Mc, no. What's the older couple's name again? I forgot. We'll think of it in a minute. Yeah, we will. I'm sorry, but they're talking about how the noises that they were making since they won the town, they they pretty much 
Right. So we had people, the, the people, they were living as residents in homes that they had bought. These are Roshnishis and they had, you know, families probably over there. But anyway, the bottom line, it was so quiet in this town because there's no, there's no the, there's, background noise. Yes. No, no city so noise, yeah. you could hear what's going on in everyone's home. And I guess the comment was that you could hear him going at it all night long. <laughs> and it sounded noises. like animals. Okay? Yeah, it sounded like animals. Now, uh, just a friendly reminder that, you know, we did see the uh, in the film that they released uh, a little while back and talking, they uh, had a session of what they actually do as far as their... Uh, oh, they're part their of their meditation, their therapy, meditation, yes. And yeah, some of it was pretty crazy. So you can only imagine, you know, these are simple folk and... Also, they and had one thing in the town. They had a, a weed, I guess it was a park that had a lot of weeds in it. Oh, yeah, they decided to transform it into sun, nude sunbathing. Yeah. And so there they are, right out there. Yeah, we're new, and of course, you know, for locals, they're just, that's not... Yeah, well, they're older people, and yeah, it's not the American way to do that. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Of course, there's Mr. Bowerman, and, and mind you, since they control the town, they also have their own police force as well, but they were doing, uh, a lot of attention was being put on this situation. You know, the press is there all constantly all the time. And then, you know, they were doing a lot of interviews about the local ranchers, you know, what's going on and things like that. And it's where Mr. Bowerman shows up and saying that they were watching his ranch from the ridge the entire summer. Half of us feel that before this, all this is over, that some of us will be killed. So there was a yes. genuine concern about in regard to this because they had their police force slash quote unquote peace force. The locals called the harassment force. Now we kind of already talked about the... Oh, no, we didn't talk about it. Um, McGreer's. Yes. McGreer's. Those are the couple. They were saying they were uh, patrolling at night, you know, with the lights uh, shining in their windows while the people were sleeping. Of course, there were guns were everywhere, all over the place. They were posted up in certain spots in the entryway right. and the exit yes. of the town. Yes, and also they were in marked and unmarked cars. Now, yes. this is an actual police force that is legitimate because they are a municipality. That's correct. And so they staffed it with Roshanishis. Yes. And then they were able to get trained at the Oregon Police Academy. Yes. And then they were in. They were able to get into the databases at the time of all of the 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 people you know, if you, your crime or all the information. So it was becoming a problem that this now they have another weapon to use against those townspeople. That is correct. And you know, that itself were just a spy on people as well. Right. Yeah. They, they, they used it not for what it was supposed to use. They used it for their own benefit. The way Mr. Silvertooth explained it was that the occupied forces has landed. Mm-hmm. Um, now the the McGreers they were talking about Jim is a, is an older gentleman who lived who's a local. Uh, he was picking in front of their establishments uh, with a sign better better red no no better dead than red yes okay. better dead than red. Now he was uh, being arrested for uh, uh, menacing is what they call it and but he was so arthritic he was such a threat but he was so arthritic that they couldn't put his hands behind his back he had to be handcuffed in the front. So that's when the you know after that happened that's when the the locals pretty much especially the McGreers that the McGreers kicked yeah. that in yeah the McGreers really really were kind of the ones that they had no choice but to get involved so the the locals started arming up and you have a lot of news stories in regarding that the the locals were buying up guns left and right because they were scared and we're talking even Greater Wasco County yes Greater yeah. Wasco County was was running out of weapons. Because everybody was buying them, and I know they were talking to one of the gun owners, were saying it's older people, it's not because younger. they are afraid. They're afraid. They're scared. There's a lot of older people coming and getting rifles and pistols and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so obviously, you know, when you're under an oppression, it it, it kind of does feel like a red dawn situation. Mm-hmm. Basically, Sheila was holding an antelope hostage. Mm-hmm. All the maneuvers that they were doing, it pretty much targeted to that. And then, you know, Sheila was very, you know, very. Uh, open about a lot of the things that she did in a bragging way where she said that you know she said that she would stop if if they recognized the land for where they want to build their city at the ranch of the city of Rochester's perm either way she said oh well, this is what she said quote either way I, I went so she said hey we will give up antelope we were never interested in it in the first place mm-hmm. we had to do it for our own survival and if you would just let us have the city that we want out at the ranch, which she called Roshnish Purim, then we would not worry about antelope. Right. And But either way, we win. Either way, we win. Yeah. And at this point, she is 
She is winning. Okay. So uh, the press was so captivated, which obviously, recognizably so, she hit the press circle. Right, because um, the Roshnish, the Bhagwan, told her it's time to go out, be provocative, you know, get all of the free publicity that you can. Yes. So that's when she started going around to the talk shows, like Merv Griffin. Um, she went on, um, I can see his face, but I just can't remember. Johnny Carson? No, 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 no. That was that's more of a uplifting show. Uh, anyway, <laughs> these are all the talk, the afternoon talk shows. Oh, anyway, oh, oh, uh, Maury Povich. Maybe she was on Maury. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so she kept, but she kept provoking them. Is oh, he would ask the question. Oh, uh, are you? Is he the free sex guru? And she said something to the the effect, well. You know, if you're saying something, you know, we don't, we don't charge. charge for sex. You know, she would be kind of flippant. And yeah. it's everything that you said to her, she'd turn it around. Yeah, or she said that she enjoyed being the aggressor. Now, that this time, since she was running the press circuit, uh, this is when the curiosity and the seekers for Bhagwan started to really oh, ramp yes. up. So they started, so there was a machine behind all of this. And during this time, they were selling more books than ever before. The The name recognition was completely there. And and communes started to form. Right, because of all the free publicity. They would Tons have of never publicity. heard of it. Never heard of it. So what I did was is I, I, I kind of did the math as far as the communes uh, globally. Do you want to hear the numbers? Sure. Okay, so India itself, where they're, they're their genesis of their belief system, they had 14 communes. Australia had 8. Italy had 15. Germany had 15. Amsterdam alone had 3. Uh, Switzerland had 8. And Portugal had 2. Wow. So So this was actually a good thing, this whole battle between Antelope and the ranch in Wasco County was a big boon for them in their global sales and plus organizing people. So so can you tell us more about once these communes were organized, what did they do? How how did they promote and, and get money and well what they things? did was that the the first and foremost all the communes were self sufficient. They had to be self-sufficient. Okay, so they did different so businesses. So they did different things. They had plenty of different businesses, uh, travel agencies. Uh, one was a, a disco. They, they had, had a coffee bistro. shops. They had bistros. Anything. Oh, that, a construction company. And a construction too. company. Yeah, that was another one too. Uh, basically, with the total of the working sannyasins, you know, people who were actually uh, bringing money to the table, was uh, thirty thousand people. And then uh, now, that's just thirty thousand. But just like with including followers and just curiosity people people weren't sannyasins but they follow the teachings of Bhagwan. right and they probably they, donated yeah they probably donated so you're looking at they said roughly about half a million five hundred thousand that's a lot of people that's a lot of people especially when thirty thousand of them are free labor that's correct thirty thousand is free labor during this time since they were getting such large amounts everybody wanted to do the festival now so it's a world festival it's a world festival their annual festival they have it every year and it's being held at the ranch, a.k.a. Rajneesh Purim. And during this time, that's when more money started coming in. Right, because they would save up their money from all over the world to for come on this trip. Yeah, they for and I'm year. sure that a lot of that was arranged by these travel agents of that course. were a part of the, the communes, right? Mm -hmm. And when they would go to the festival, what kind of events or what kind of activities well, what they would they do? what they did was they had a bunch of shops, tons of shops. So, of course, you could buy all the books and you can buy the clothing and... You had a bunch of options there. They had a beer tent. They even had casinos. So yeah, I don't that that kind of threw me when they had the casino mm. because unless somehow it was Indian land because I don't understand how they could have had the well, casino and not get taxed on that. No, it won't because it's considered a fundraiser. Oh, okay. You, it was like one of those casino nights here. Yes, that exactly. We have. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't want to dwell on it, but I just. Thought no, we, about that. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah it's, it's similar to that. As long as it's a fundraiser and it goes to the funds, it's considered it, because tax they, deductible. you know, they never actually said it, but I have a feeling they were a five hundred one c three foundation oh, organization. Oh, I bet you they. Because the main you can't guy can't do all this work and not right. not have your your t's crossed and your eyes dotted. You had lawyers. You had well, the guy, the main it. guy that we talked Swami. about. No, not that one. The other one that was the gentleman that we. Uh, his name was Prem or something. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He was the one that was used to be a commercial banker and all that. So he he was the, he organizer. Was the organizer of all that kind of stuff. Plus, I'm sure Swami helped with the, the oh, paperwork yeah, yeah, and all of that. 
Yeah, so they had their annual festival. Now, Sheila mentioned that it was great because it was a festival of colors, and it was something that you just had to be there in order to experience, and you would never have that experience. And they showed how all the people would come, and then, of course, the Bhagwan would drive his Rolls Royce, and they would line up just to wave at him. And some of these people never met him in person, so this was their big highlight. One, one moment, yeah. You know, one and also tell, tell us about what Sunshine had mentioned during that. Time. Well, Sunshine mentioned the uh, the, the crowd. Uh, she was talking about how you know he would get the crowd hyped, and this was happening in that tent, that big steel tent we were talking about. Right, in episode it was two the, with the yeah. fifteen thousand people. That thing was packed. Oh my gosh, that was packed. I mean, just looking at it, I probably mean, just kind of experiencing a, uh, the noise. Probably not a safe for the fire department. Oh, of course not. not. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But it's an open space, so you can't, you can't really, it's just a big coverings. It's still in an open space. So, you know, that that's a very big flexible. You're not in a confined area, so it doesn't really matter as far so as So Sunshine was to. talking so about anyway, the crowd. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, when I was watching this real quick, as I'm describing this, I had my uh, uh, noise-canceling earphones on, so and they played the crowd noise. And man, it was intense. He would come out and shake his hands and get the crowd really going. And oh man, when they ramped the those amps up, and I was like, I got goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it because like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And he would constantly just shake his hands because remember he's sick. We keep forgetting that he's actually right. sick. He, he has ba- a, back a, a bad back problem. Mm-hmm. So he's walking very stiff and he's walking very slow. But his hands are going in a quick raising gesture, like louder, yes. louder, louder. Mm-hmm. And of course, and he calls her up, and then she starts dancing with him, and it shows the. Yeah, scene she was where very young at the time. She was very young at the time, and she's dancing with him, and he's just a man. He wanted to play with me, so we played. Da 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 da. You know, she's. You could see on her face that it was her moment of her life. It, she's explaining it, and of course, it's great when you're explaining it and you see it at the same time. While she's marrying over the story, that wow, I mean, there's pure joy in her. She's having a great time, but just the people itself. He would just basically kind of come through the crowd, and the crowd would just be going nuts. Yes. Okay. It it was a very good time, but there was something that in Antelope, can you talk about the people in Antelope, that weekend that they had the the World Festival? Yeah, they did the World Festival, and of course, uh, they had, obviously, the news was there. It's talking about, you know, it's, it's a big thing over there, but in little, small, little sleepy town... It's quiet and no one's celebrating, and of course they're just mad. They're angry. But you know? also there was rain. That yes, was, they, they all they were. Uh, it was raining about, there on it was the raining festival. Raining there on the festival, and they said, "Oh, did you have, did you uh, order pray this? About it? Order this? Like you darn right out of it, you know, kind of thing." So, but after the festival was over, this is where things start to get interesting, where they start to get exposed, and that's of course good old Mister John Silvertooth. This guy is. This guy is gold. We kind of call this the ourselves leak. the leak. We call it the leak. The yeah. leak, which is very, um, it was very serendipitous. Yes, that very. This happened because it goes from loud crowds to John Silvertooth. You know, it's just like Mister Do 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 Do. Very unassuming. Very assuming. Very just nonchalant. He goes. There was a dump. A okay. Well, wait dump. a second. So he he talks about how there's a story I never told in public before. I don't know if I should be telling you this or not. Okay. Go. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Go, yeah, go ahead. And he said there was the dump. There was a small little dump. Obviously, they don't do that anymore because of uh, environmental stuff. But he goes up there to dump his trash, and he sees a poster yeah. that is in the dump. And he says, oh, that would be neat. I mean, the guy's kind of just going along like, hey, let's see what, it might be valuable one day. Who knows? So he grabbed the poster, and as he's grabbing the poster, he sees all this paperwork that says, shred after meeting, shred after meeting. Well, someone fell down on the job, didn't shred it. They just put it in the dump. Well, he's telling his buddy, hey, keep an eye out so nobody can see us, me. And he's taking all these secret papers yeah the secret papers um it's about arranged marriages yes that can go in many different directions meeting minutes of what's going on internally with the commune also uh censoring the mail opening the mail prior to leaving 
yes. the ranch. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, they had charge of the post office in Antelope because yes, that did. is an official mm-hmm. town, that's right? That's correct. That's a federal crime that right there, tampering crime with there. the mail alone. Well, not alone. just imagining arranged marriages. And the well. arranged marriages is now we're talking about uh, federal law immigration. Yeah. That's correct. So this is where uh, the friend that he wanted to share all this information with, uh, Mr. Silvertooth, uh, is uh, Dave Frohmeyer, who is the Oregon Attorney General. Now, how did he know him? They knew each other from way back when. They went to college together at the University Actually, of Oregon. Actually, they grew up together. Oh, no. Oh, no, not no, Silvertooth. No, not Silvertooth. They that's met right. in college. Now, we kind of jumped ahead a yeah, little bit. I did, bit. We, sorry. That's okay, that's fine. We, we need to understand, uh, uh, first and foremost, in regarding uh, John Silvertooth, is that, well... Before we go into that, while they were celebrating the festival, the Rajanese were doing their festival, the uh, the mayor, the mayor, we got to talk about the mayor for just a quick second. Now, what is his official name there? Uh, Krishna Diva. Krishna gonna, Diva. Krishna Diva. We're just going to call him the mayor because it's just easier. Now, the mayor did this big speech, uh, and along with Sheila as well, pretty much sounded almost the same, but the the three words that were coming out of both their mouths was their the, the townspeople and the people of Oregon are jealous, ignorant, and stupid. So when you're saying this and then you talk about John Silvertooth and there's John Silvertooth, he's actually a college graduate. You know, he he's not stupid. He's not ignorant. Ha, ha, ha. You know, and like he said. But because they're very, clothes. very arrogant. So, arrogant so the Roshni's leadership, let's just put it as far as not, Sheila's the concerned. The followers may, no, I don't think they so. They weren't involved they in weren't all involved of this in We're stuff. just talking about yeah. the inner circle, the, the, the higher upper echelon of, of mm-hmm. the group. Uh, John Silvertooth, his close friend from college, is the assistant, or the, no, the attorney general, uh, David Formeyer. Now now this is where the uh, Mr. Bowerman comes into play. Right, so you're going to give us Bower- a little history. Yes, of- a little bit of history, Miss the, the Bowermans and the Formeyers. They all grew up together. They always came together. The families always came together over the summer. So this, they're both very influential influential families of the state of Oregon. Uh, Mr. Formeyer was a, uh, uh, which kind of makes me shake my head even more about the arrogance of the Rajneesh as far as their leadership goes is arrogant and stupid. He was a Rhodes Scholar, graduated top of his class, all that kind of stuff. And that's just from top of my head. It's not Okay, my, you know, all right. So he he was an extremely bright gentleman. From what the Bowermans were saying, that Dave basically was intended to be the attorney general. This was his calling in, exactly. in the world. So, and he says it that what happened was is that Mr. Silvertooth gave all that information that he found the dump that was supposed to be shredded over to Mr. Formeyer. To Dave, we're just going to call him Dave. He filed a suit for a violation of constitution, a separation of church and state. Right, right. So this is this is where it comes into play. So what they did was, is as far as the investigation, they investigated the what their their concern was. The religion is controlling the government, where it's not the, the, hence right. the separation. So, the, so yes. it, it, there's a lot of it's not even gray area. They're they're running it in a gray area type of way. So what they were talking about the law enforcement, you know. These are religious people. The you know their loyalty was not to the badge. Their loyalty, loyalty was, was to the, the Bogwan, right? Bogwan. Yes, that's okay. correct. Okay, so that's the one a, thing. Access to the database was was very very uncomfortable for the attorney general. Plus, the access to all the weapons. That's who they because they got because weapons the that normal citizens could not have, that's but correct. because they were a police they, yes. force, they were able to get Smoke, that. Smoke grenades, all that other military exactly. uh, type of weaponry, they had full access to right. it. Uh, the public school was another one that they investigated. Now, they were coming into school with religious garb. They had religious symbols all over symbols the school. Symbols all over the school. The investigators said it didn't look, sound, feel like a public school. So that's where... It comes into play again. More of the other yeah, religion was controlling the government. Now, as far as the government goes, the Bhagwan selected the mayor. Then the city council were selected by either Sheila or the Bhagwan. They staged, staged the elections, but it was just for show. Yeah, it was, it was just, just for appearances yeah, only. Yeah, exactly. And only. so this is the start of the investigation. The I, I can't, well, they were bringing charges they against them. They were bringing charges against them, yeah. And of course, the mayor, Mr. Diva, Rajneesh Puram, uh, calling the attorney general full of crap, 
while he's saying this, he's covered in the orange and the red garb and the necklace with the, you know, it just is like, dude. But he's also calling him, you know, names that, you know. Stupid. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff that it's kind of interesting how he would say, well, there's no words I can say in, in front of you people that could describe how I feel about the Attorney General. Yeah, and... And I mean, I, I I understand that, but when you're saying this and you're saying that everything he's bringing up is garbage, and yet you are covered in red and orange, and you got the necklace of the. By the way, I, I looked up that necklace that you see him wearing. It's got like the yes. looks like beast and a little the medallion, and the medallion is the Bhagwan's face, by the way. So it's like, come on, man, really? It, okay. okay, so let's anyway, let's so, go yeah, to so what uh... what basically they they talked about what uh, Swami said, the lawyer. He said that they compare themselves to the, you know, the Catholics in Boston. You know, they controlled that and this, this, and that. Okay, I want I want you to list all of the things that the and Swami said. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the Mormons, you know, not just Salt Lake City, but Utah. They have their own state. And he was saying that major religions were okay, but the minor ones just doesn't matter. That's okay. what he said in regards to So that. what I wanted to talk about uh, just briefly about that is they're comparing themselves to these different times major religions versus the minor religions of course the rajneeshes were minor at that point yeah but if you think about when the uh, the immigrants came over from ireland and of course the catholic catholic catholics were not a major religion in the united states at that time no so they were considered minor and we do know that they were corrupt and now that's been hopefully fixed but i mean the bottom line is yes these are corrupt then you have the mormons that was a minor religion they moved out west to get their own thing going they had made a lot of concessions to give up polygamy and stuff in order to become a state yeah so they ended up making that transition right his thing saying that you know apples to oranges i don't it was apples to oranges it wasn't the same he wants to make it like it was the same right now the other thing, go ahead. Is there something uh, more well, yeah. before well, we get to something? Yeah, the litigation team calling that the, all the politicians are stupid and, ba- and full of backwater bigotry, mm-hmm. which, once again, it, I, they're not giving the people of the state of Oregon their, their, their due. I mean, I get where they're coming from as far as protecting. To a certain extent, I kind of lean on there. I can see both points of view on this. But you're literally openly dismissing, you know, these politicians who, if you take a look at their actual background, especially the attorney general, he is not, and he's not stupid by any stretch of the imagination. And I find it just fascinating where where the arrogance is so much that you just, you know, who cares if you're a Rhodes Scholar? I'm sorry, that that's... That's beyond impressive. You have that on your resume. You can write your ticket. Well, I think it's because my theory in this, just thinking about it, is because the Roshnishis have basically discarded all kinds of moral conduct, all kinds of the societal beliefs of the United States, the Western world, you know, the Bhagwan allowed them to, you know, shed all that in this one environment, this bubble that they have at the ranch or the commune. Um, They just felt that... You know, they were above every rule, above all that, and that all they had to do, they wanted their way no matter what. Right. The other thing, too, is that the mayor, he started comparing their problem with, you know, he was saying, you know... uh, The Nazis. The the Jewish problem, the Jew problem versus the Rajneesh is now the problem. Started comparing them towards the Jews, and it's like, once again, I... That really... Oh, man. It really pissed me off. I'm sorry. To no end because it's like first of all you how dare you compare yourself to that just a whole different your persecution what you call persecution versus what really happened to the jews it's literal like you said apples to orange and that just that just pissed me off i really wanted to beat his ass but during this time is when sheila really decided to be driven to save the community okay so now her her drivenness to save the community comes up to uh, they start talking about Jesus Grove. Can you tell us what Jesus Grove? Jesus was? Grove is an area where basically it's Sheila's house. 
uh, whereas the inner circle got to stay there. They lived there. People started to uh, uh, include, and this is just Sheila's inner circle. A lot of the people in the inner circle, yes, they believed in the teachings of Bhagwan, but since Bhagwan was always... Well, he stepped back he stepped into back, his well, home, yeah, and she stepped forward. He went into his forward. house, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. He, my way, he was hiding in his house when all this is going on. So Sheila's the, the spearhead. People started to also include their belief in Sheila along with Bhagwan. So it kind of became like... She became especially a Shante B. Especially Shante B. Especially okay. Shante B. Now her lieutenants, all of her lieutenants, as they called it, lived there. They're constantly meeting about the pre- preservation of the community. And that's where they started developing uh, the scheme to bring in the homeless. Okay, so this whole thing is a very interesting shift in what's going to happen next in the story. Yes, it's a massive shift. So you, this is what I call the action of the homeless migration. This is what I call it. So... Basically, what they decided, what Sheila decided to do was, you know, take on, well, what the outside perspective was when she was in the press was saying that these are the people that the... Well, she had a big, a big... Big plan. Big plan. She she was kind of making, oh, you just have to be patient for it. She was really using the press to kind of ramp up this big announcement. And so the big announcement was... Was the homeless migration. So... I wrote down some of the cities that they they were in, San Diego, Chicago, New York, Albuquerque, San Francisco, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. So they went to all the major cities and pretty much picked up a lot of people. Their pitch to the, to the homeless people is, here's a bus ticket, get on the bus, you can go to a beautiful city that will feed and clothe you and, and give you self-respect. And it's a brand new thing, you know. And so those people are like saying, oh, okay, you know, because they have nothing nothing else to do. do. They have have nothing to lose. Right. So they get on these buses buses. and they're they're school buses to Greyhound type buses, coaches, you know, they whatever whatever they they could could do. Whatever they could do. Yeah. So what it is, is that when they take a look at what's the word I'm looking for, span out to the, the overlooking of the encampment, it was basically a bunch of houses right so they built a lot of encamp uh actually temp kind of like looks like you would have something for military or something yeah exactly okay Uh, so they built an encampment in in the in there in In the the ranch ranch. uh now they basically uh what she was saying was that they were giving them back their self-respect you know what happened was in 39 days they brought 3,500 people that's a lot of people Right, and there's more to come, by the way. Yes, there is, yeah. From what they say is that at the end of that month, during the news story, that the homeless might outnumber the actual Rajneesh. Yeah, there was like 7,000, maybe? Well, well, the question is, what's the real plan behind this? That's that's where we're getting to it. So what happened was that we're talking about the, the the locals' point of view now. Now, the locals, regarding the homeless, they were having their issues with the homeless as well because not only they're coming in buses, they're walking, and they're getting any way they can. So they're finding some of these homeless people sleeping in the open lots, sleeping under their cars, uh, sleeping under their houses. So it's a, it's very scary, especially when you have... Elderly people, retired. Elderly people, retirees. Who pre- at this point, you got to take a look at it. They're scared enough as it is. Now you're bringing all these other additional strangers into it that are homeless, and they have nothing to lose. So they don't. I, you can kind of have an idea of what they're going through. But basically how it worked is... From what it turned out to be was just, you get three hots and a cot for your vote. That's basically what it was. Right. So the scheme was we're going to bring in all these homeless people. We're going to get them, you know, cleaned up. Yes. Straightened up, getting them, you know, clothing. Oh, the idea is fantastic. Oh, of course. Oh, and absolutely. this looked like they were a charitable organization oh, yeah. that was at, going to be doing this. Yeah, at, at this point, you have to in look the at news. it and say, okay, you know what? Good for you. Good for you. I'm not mad at this at all. But then... Later on, you find out it basically was. I mean, they were you know cleaning. They were basically they were. They did free what labor. they said. They did free labor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. They use them for labor as well. But hey, you're getting three hots and a cot. Why not? You know, you're getting taken care of. You're getting cleaned up. You're you know at, at least the, you the could plan do it to help was, out. But but the, but that but on the outside perspective versus the inside perspective, it all plays a part when it comes to the voting. Booth. Can you tell me about the Oregon law for voting? Can you tell? Tell me what that was at the time. Yes. Uh, yeah, we could do that. The uh, Oregon voting uh, to register, keywords to register to vote. One, U.S. citizen. Two, be 18 either on the day of voting or prior to. And then you must be a resident of the state of Oregon for 20 days. So the so you need to be there less than a month. And, and, you can have, and, you, and if you qualify the other two, then you can register to vote in the state of Oregon. But this is where we come into the part of the takeover of Wasco County. Okay. 
Okay, continue on. Okay, no, that's fine. So the, the, the here. that's okay. The takeover of Wasco County. So basically, Sheila feels that is necessary for the uh, preservation. At this point, you got to understand they're on their heels right now. That's because Frohmeyer, the attorney the, general, the attorney was general after is them. After them, and you know what? He's winning. He is winning because you know what? He's right. What he investigated is what he sees is what actually what's so going on. So now Wasco County had something like uh, supervisors, some kind of council for the whole entire, like here in our our place where we live in our county, that's supervisors. Yes, okay? that's correct. It's someone that runs the whole county. That's correct. All right, so these are the... So basically what it is is that uh, she used the Rajneesh and the street people because when you when you're talking about this... They, that's how they the the press devised the people who are originally the Rajneesh versus the street people. They had to make a, a difference. Well, yes, they are because different. They are they're completely different. They're not part of the religious following as of yet. Correct. Now they use them to register to vote. Now at this time, you're talking six thousand people they brought in. So you so what she brought all these people in for these. This is the now the master plan starting to take effect. You kind of get an idea of what's going on. Is that you got certain towns, a la Antelope, which had how many people in it? Few, like they only had 40, 50. Okay, so you're talking like a lot of a lot of small towns that have 40 to 50 people. So if you take the whole county together, you're looking at maybe seven, eight, nine, maybe a thousand people total, maybe a little bit more. Because remember, these are ranch lands, so you could have two people on a plot of you know how many x amount of acres, but you're talking about the county as a whole. They're basically about to take over the county just by just bringing on these homeless people to register to vote and to take over the county. Now, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because they brought these these homeless in. They're giving them stuff. They're grateful. And so they start participating in the community. They start the working. They're very they're very appreciative. They're talking about the homeless people. Oh, of course, yeah. And they start doing their therapies and their meditations and they're liking it. And, you know, hey, what's not to like? Sheila has a way of doing these like a little pep rallies with the oh, homeless yes. people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she so riles them up. She riles them up and she said, You fought for them if they were veterans or you know, you know, they don't love you like we do and they threw you out, you're a wino, you're a derelict, but we don't see you that way. So she pumps them up and gets them going like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yourself filled exactly. their self-respect back. And so she's asking for them, you know, for their vote and of course right. all of a sudden this becomes very important to these people who never voted before or who who knows? Didn't care or about didn't it. care at the time. Now, and the one thing that that Sheila need did I don't think she did her real homework on this, which is, which throws me off for a loop, is that you know some of the people they were bringing were felons. Yeah, you so can't vote. You can't vote. So therefore, you're basically in her mind dead weight. Also, you could possibly be illegal. We don't know. We how don't many know. Yeah, you, illegals. You, they you can you can go in many different directions. Exactly. And, uh, of course, then we also talked about it, casting a wide net. You know, with, there might be some fallout, but if you have more than enough, I mean, out of six thousand people, you can still outvote the county. Yes. Yes. So basically, uh, from what it looked like after the, you find out the the grand scheme is first, you get the town first, second, you get the county, and then third, you get the state. So that's what it was looking like because that's what the fear was with the locals. Like if they take over Wasco County. It's only going to spread because they were interviewing a lady saying by 2000, this could be an entire Rajneesh state. And it is definitely a possibility. Yes. Because the more people come in, the more people move over. It's just a chain reaction effect. So that's where Mr. Bowerman comes in again, saying that, you know, they have 6,000 people to vote, that they had a shot at keep that keeping the county easily. They, they, they said they were dead in the water. Yes. That's pretty much what it was. So now we're going to get to uh, uh, the battle for the county. What happened was that they started busing people in to register to vote. Now, now they had to go to a certain... Salem. Salem, okay. Oregon. They had to go to oh, Salem, did they? Oregon. Yeah, it was Salem, Oregon where this all this happened. Okay. Because you had to register to vote. Not yes. Not to you... vote, but to register to vote. Because, you know, like we said before, U.S. citizen one, two, 18 on election day or prior, and then, of course, the 20 days. So you're basically registering to be a... A resident of Oregon. Yes, and the funniest, it's kind of ironic because in those days they had this, these things that you just mentioned were part of a progressive, easy vote state. Yes, exactly. And now mm-hmm. Sheila is using it against Absolutely. them. Yes, and they, they had a... And they're like not liking it. No, them. they're not liking it at all. They, they had a, one of the Republican representatives uh, on one of the TV shows that 
they were showing on the on the show, and then of course Sheila's there as well, saying, and he was saying, yeah, you know, it kind of bit us in the butt. Not saying that verbatim, but that's what he's basically. And saying. And she's of Biden. course saying, yep, yep, you dang skippy, yeah. And then I okay. think part of the problem is is that, you know, this is where everything's gets hostile. But anyway, so of course the state of Oregon has to do something. So what happened was is that uh, they decided to once they brought all the people. And of course, well, they the were busing them down. They're busing them down. Well, they're all was, happy. The, well, this is the first bus. Yeah. The first bus were coming to come in to register because all they were going to do all day was just basically go back and forth to Salem, bringing all the all the quote unquote street people to register to vote. They they were given a blanket rejection to all of new registered voters. Okay, uh, so there was so the, the the county refused everybody. It was a blanket rejection. Yes. And it was coming close upon uh, election day, and so we talked about this. There didn't they didn't have time to vet everyone to whether they're a felon, whether they're legal or not. I mean, I'm sure a lot of those people didn't have IDs, you know. So right. in their in their defense, they they didn't mention it in the in the documentary, but in the or- Oregon's defense, they would have to block it because there could be fraud. You know, you have people that shouldn't be voting, voting, and it's a fraud, fraudulent vote. Absolutely. So that's why they had to shut it all down. So yeah, what happened? Yeah, it was a blanket at, vote. Yeah. So of course they made a, st- a scene about it at the at, at the the courthouse in Salem, which I understand as well. So this is where you kind of sit there and go, okay, say to where you kind of screwed up on this, but you know, it, you can go either way on this. Honestly, so I think we need to talk about uh, Swami. What he had said something about that. Well, he said it was against the constitutional right, and they had never never done it before in the history of maybe one other maybe one other time. And but the thing is, is that you know, to this moment, I don't know what Swami's really doing. He's probably caught up in litigation left and right. He's not paying attention to what's really going on. Well, he didn't know about the deviousness. He was just looking at it as far as as the Constitution uh, and legality. Legality standpoint, Mm -hmm. yes. And he was really, he said he was really riled up. Oh yeah, he was really furious after he found out they got turned away over at Salem. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So now Now we have to shift into something different. Now we have to shift over. So the plan that Sheila had backfired it backfired. You got six thousand people on the ranch, and then you have what what Miss uh, Miss Shanti B said a hornet's nest in the middle of the community. Yes, and it was the the all these people now they u- they were using them for a specific purpose. They probably spent a lot of money with the housing, the food, the you know the whole bit, getting them there, the transportation. This hornet's nest is like, okay, now we can't use these people anymore. What do we do with them? Well, there was a a, a story that Shanti B told, and yeah. also Sheila did tell part of this story too. It was her story that there was a homeless man. He's very large, and he was pretty much out of his mind. He was even foaming at the mouth, supposedly. So I'm not sure what that all means when you do that. Right. But anyway, he was in a psychotic trance or something so Sheila went out to talk to him now see this another thing that kind of kills me about Sheila she just thinks she can do whatever no no one's ever going to touch her she's very unaware okay of things that she just thinks she's all powerful she's very arrogant well the the guy just grabbed her by the throat shook pulled pulled her up shook her she thought she was going to die that day right okay so then the the security force was there. I we're not sure how all that happened. If they were able to stop him in a second, but the doctor came and shot him, injected, injected him with, him with a, a sedative. Okay, yeah. and I'm sure they probably put a sedative t- to Sheila too, because she was probably very shook up. Right. But this really magnified the fact that oh my goodness, we have these people, and a lot of homeless people even to this day are mentally ill and they're outnumbered yes and they're outnumbered and they're yeah and they don't want to be doing automatic rifles to mowing them down no 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 because that what amazes me too is that they they never like you said earlier they never looked on the flip side of the coin no they never so now if you think about it just thought about that you know they do have weapons they could but they don't want to have that kind of a situation. So now they Cuz you're proving them right yeah. as far as the Jonestown thing right. we talked about. Right. So the, what they have to do is they okay, so what are we going to do and 
<laughs> the more creative they came up with things they were saying, the more they got in trouble. Yeah. But the creativity was they decided to put a drug. It's a it's a antipsychotic drug named Haldol. That's correct. That was put in the beer because they got two beers a day day for dinner. This was be the homeless people. The homeless people only. Yeah, and they did. They made sure that no Rajneeshi would partake of that. By the way, that's correct. That's what they did. Now, of course, this is against the law. Yeah, because they did not have the okay to do that. Well, you can't just put stuff in food, as we'll find out later. You know, we can't. You can't spike things quote unquote it's because you're you're doing that against someone's will i mean i could see why they did it i do see that there's no justification for it but legally they can't and they're trying to probably figure out we we may find out in the next episode how they try to how do they rid the problem i i know i've seen it before but i don't really have it at the top of my head because i'm just doing it one episode at a time right but now they're like going, okay, now we got to at least calm them down so we know what are, what's our next step to get... Right, they're trying to, they're, they're scrambling at this point. Yes, okay, so I yeah. think we can go on. Well, no, what happened was is that the devotion, the re- they're talking about why they did it is because their devotion uh, was so strong to Sheila that they allowed themselves to be led in the wrong direction. Now, I think that's Swami said that, that right? Swami said that. He no, was... no, no, that was... Uh, that was a Shanti B saying that. Oh, now okay. Swami, now the ending of this episode really creeped me out. You know, there's there's Swami at the end, and this was his quote: "There's a darkness to all of us. All of us have a dark side. That's just the nature of being human. But does it make you a bad person? See, he and then he had that evil laugh. That evil that laugh to this just sends chills all over my body because it's a very to me it's an evil laugh." Because the way you heard it and the way I heard it was well, two different Well, two different things. ways. Yeah. I took it as is. I'm going to go, did he just do an exclamation mark and a question mark at the end of this? Because to me, it it opened up a possibility of agreeing and disagreeing. The cliffhanger was perfect as far as, as this goes. Because I took it as is that, okay, here we go. You know, and I thought we were going already gone for a ride on this one. There's another ride to go on after this one. So, and then of course it it, it fades to black, and then they. Well, have for that. me, when he said that, he said, "Does it make you a bad person, or it doesn't make you a bad person?" Yeah, you took it as just as a, as a a statement. Yeah, I took it as a statement, and then he kind of laughed because we all do have a dark side. We all think so this. Agree. We think things. Agreed. Oh, if, you know, if doing this bad things, but we don't act out on it. But with Sheila and her lieutenants, they were just, you know, she was actually able to act out on some of these crazy. You know, we have crazy ideas. We talk about, oh, if we had, you know, XYZ, we should yeah. do this. We're not going to. Right. It's just kind of, you know, letting off steam. Right. But for Sheila, this letting off steam was really reality. meant re- reality. That was her reality, and I think that your and this is where I look at it as is, is as far as just being a human, and, and uh, as far as you know, what would you do if you were in that situation as V as a Sheila? Because like I said, we got to look at both sides of the coin here. You already took over a town, and you did it dirty, and it makes you look bad, so you go on the aggressive. You're listening to what your great leader is telling you to do, but he's not out in the open. So she's kind of on an island on on her on her own. I look at this is just my perspective. No, it's good. It's a good one. She's on her own island. Yeah, she's arrogant. Yeah, she's brash. She feels invincible because she believes in the Bhagwan, and whatever he says is 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 law. But she's not from the United States, so she's. She thinks the law is always going to be on her side, but the law has failed her over and over and over again. And the more aggressive she gets, the more evil she looks, just to the normal layperson, just kind of just vague looking thing. This chick is crazy. And now you have this plan. You put a lot of time, money, definitely a lot of money, a lot of effort. This was the homeless. This is the homeless movement. You think you're going to win on this one, and then you lose that one, and now you turn a smaller problem to a 
Mount Vesuvius problem. So Shanti B was saying something like, because she, she was in the inner circle, yeah, and that she was hearing things, yes, that made her very nervous, and she was just hoping it was just talk and it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I think this is where. Good. Well, but the thing too is, is with her, it, it, she talks about the story where she got called into uh, her house. To wax her legs. To wax her legs. It meaning Sheila's legs. Sheila's legs. And she was, I mean, for her, it was like she was accepted into the inner circle. She right, had, and she liked that. And, but then when it comes to the time where things are getting a little bit heavy, she's just, she's a, a kind person. She wasn't into all this violent no, stuff. No, she was one of the original, mind you, we got to remind, remember that, Ashanti B is one of the true Rajneeshis. Yeah, she went She's to India. She's one of the true Rajneeshis. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't a Johnny Come Lately. She was in Poon. She moved her whole family to India from Australia. So it's one of those things where you're into that meditation. You're you were into it for the religious the religious aspect of it, and somehow slowly but surely, next thing you know, you're in the political side of it and the aggressive side of it. You know, it it's come becomes very surreal for her, and of course. We'll learn later on about what, you know, her you know actions were later on. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, it, as far as what would you do if you were in Sheila's shoes, you know, I think putting that stuff in the, in the homeless beer, I mean, well, well because, she, yes. because, I mean, what would you do if you had a huge, massive man foaming no, at the totally, mouth, strangling I, you? I, yes. In, in certain aspects of this episode, me personally... I'm on their side half the time. I'm on the Rajneeshi side half the time. It's just the other stuff, like, for example, if she wasn't so aggressive in the press, if she wasn't using the police force, peace force, however you want to label it, to harass the locals, if you were just so aggressive and so arrogant and so just dis- blatantly disrespectful to the local, you, you know, you, we're not in India, honey. You're in the United States. If you want, you get you have to show a sense of respect, kindness, understanding. But she blatantly disregards all of that, so she goes on the aggressive, and then she was sit, to sit there. She could have done it totally different. She just had to just be nice. If she was nice and not aggressive. I think we'd be talking about the state of Oregon being a Rajneesh state today. That's just my opinion because you got to give and take. There's give and take. Allah, we just talked about the Mormons. They give and take and they got their, I mean, let's, let's not yeah, lie. They, did get they got state. a state. They got a state. Okay. Or Oregon could have been the Rajneesh state. Like the Mormon state is Utah. Right. But they were respectful. They understood. They had to make some adjustments, but you know, it just the what if factor at this point in time. Yes, as far as, as the far story, as this story mm-hmm. goes, this point in time, it could have been a whole different aspect. And for her to go to that extreme, because now she is literally not only on the ropes. See, we're just looking at the external. We're not talking about the meetings that she's having Correct. with the Bhagwan. Exactly. So the stress level, the panic button. Who knows? I mean, now she's stuck with 4,000 homeless people and you, you know, you, you made your problem so much larger because your aggressive, disrespectful attacks aren't working. Now what do you do? I think, yeah. So next, next episode, next episode we're yeah. going to find out some of these answers or not answers, but what actually happened in, in solving some of this. What, 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 what about your opinion? I mean, I kind of like. What do you think about as far as what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, as far as Sheila's concerned yeah, and her she, actions. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. Also, there was Shanti B was mentioning that the Bhagwan was pushing her very hard. Right. And of course, she's totally devoted. She's you know the whole nine yards to them. She wants to make him happy. She wants to make this thing as successful. So she's going to do whatever it takes. And I know in my in in my experience with things that very minor things but when you want something to be successful you almost 
throw caution to the wind, right. okay? And you go and do things, you probably know, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it because I want this thing to succeed. Right. Whether it's, you know, something in a classroom or something in in the business world or or something in your yard, you know. Right. But this is of course, you know, a major community here. And so I can see where she is totally driven and she will do anything sacrifice herself. Well, she had mentioned when she started when we started this about the guillotine. She will she would take a guillotine. She welcomes it. She's right. not afraid. Yeah. So when she's not afraid to take that guillotine, the United States government yeah, she doesn't care. She's going to do it no matter what and and uh, th- that's where I see all of this is going. Right. And, and the thing too is is that you know I, I think with you know and I'm just going to say it the Bogwan hiding in his stinking mansion, you know, that's I, you're 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 the leader, supposedly this leader of the group, and you let somebody else take the bullets. Well, I think it's just cowardly. But that's just I well, mean, yes, of course. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, were you a holy man or not? Whatever, whatever. You know, you're telling Sheila what to do, but you're too, you know, chicken. You know what? To at least show public support. I mean, at this point, because he did not want to have that problem with the government, him personally. I know, which we'll we'll, we'll see we'll later. Get, get into later, but I just at this point right now, it's like you forget, you forget about the Bogwan. To be honest with you, yes, you forget his existence, and I mean, because when you, watch the, it, you forget, like, oh my gosh, that's right, there is the Bogwan. Well, because the leadership, we're talking about the leadership circle around Sheila, was becoming more devoted to Sheila than anything else and the fight the fight yes. versus anything yes. else so okay all right well, at this that... point yeah at this point uh we're gonna stop because <laughs> we can go down our episode we're not going to do that as of yet that's another episode for another time so thank you for listening looking forward to the next episode episode I am. four okay, all right thank you you're very welcome